the wind. And what a goal! What a goal! Luke Singh! Fabulous volley! Henri into the area. Canadian Premier League newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Welcome back, everybody. It is a Tuesday afternoon here in Ontario. I hope you all had a good long weekend because we certainly did. And over the next 45 minutes or so, we are going to tell you all about it. Uh, week 21 in the CPL gave us a little bit of movement in the table. York United leapfrogged Halifax Wanderers into the playoffs. Ford have jumped into third, but Cavalry, as you just heard from the dulcet tones of Nigel Reed there, Cavalry four points clear at the top again. Let's start by just bringing up the results from the weekend because we're going we're gonna to dive right into them. Saturday, we had that crazy doubleheader, Pacific 2, Valor 1. Pacific scoring with uh, Adnigel Reed and Eamon Salouf with Matteo Debrien causing trouble with an equalizer in the middle. And then later that night, Atletico Ottawa 1, Cavalry 2. Again, a, a dramatic one where Luke Singh scores maybe the goal of the year in the 88th minute, but then William Akio wins it with, I think, literally the last touch of the ball in, I think, the 98th minute to win it for Cavalry. Saturday, or Sunday afternoon, rather, Vancouver FC nil, Forge FC 3, Wubens Passius with a, a hat trick out in Vancouver, his second as a Forge player. And then finally yesterday on Labor Day Monday, uh, it was a festive atmosphere in Halifax, but at the end of the day, it was York United, the much happier side going home with a 2-1 win, thanks to Austin Ricci and their captain, Roger Thompson. And out there on the East Coast is where we're going to start our podcast this week, uh, joined by Mitchell Tierney to help break down a, a match that, again, as I said, was a bit of a, a party at the start of the game and even through most of the first half, but at the end of the day, it's York United uh, winning this. When Mitch, you said it was a colossal win for York just tell me I guess to open up for those who don't know what are the stories that maybe stood out to you about this game and what did you enjoy well I mean the importance of this game kind of automatically made it incredibly compelling but this was a match between two sides who really needed three points and they played like it I mean York really went for the win uh, despite being the roadside and you know they were obviously quite cagey late as you would expect but uh you know until they got the lead in the match they were really the aggressors for for a lot of moments um but soccer is sometimes a match of of moments and it really was the case you know in this labor day match in halifax after jordan peruzza scored the opener um less than 10 minutes later joao morelli is is in on goal and he has a chance to to really break your spirits in a one-on-one -on -one with uh, adisa di rosario and the young keeper comes up big there and then uh, York scored just before halftime, and that seemed to really deflate Halifax, who, you know, up until that point had probably been the better team, had had a lot of chances to increase their lead. And, you know, York, they came out flying in the second half, and they, they take the lead through a lovely set-piece goal, which is something that hasn't been a, a strength of theirs this season. And for for them, they hold on, and that, now it's back-to-back -back real character comebacks for them. Um, and, you know, they hop Halifax in the standings on the total wins tiebreaker. So I think overall, just a really impressive performance again from, from York United who are coming at a bit of a talking point at this point in the season. Yeah, they certainly are, especially after coming back again last week to beat Vancouver at home, but on the road is, is where I guess York have been the, at their best this season. Weirdly, they're the first away team this year to win a game after conceding first 
They're also the only club that's ever come back from behind to win at the Wanderers' grounds. They've done that twice now, uh, the first time back in, in August 2021. Uh, that is a very, very difficult thing to do, to fall behind in front of, you know, in that atmosphere, on that pitch, with that crowd, and and especially with the way Halifax have been playing at home. Uh, they have the most away points in the league with 21. Mitchell, just what has impressed you, I guess, in this game in particular, but in general, about the way this team has gone away from home? Yeah, you mentioned it there a little bit, but I think especially in recent weeks, there's kind of a never-say-die attitude about this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've really found the players who are you know, willing to put in those extra hard yards um, recently. And I think that especially starts up top. Uh, Kevin Santos is a player who I seem, seems like I highlight every week on this show, but he deserves it because his work rate is unbelievable in terms of tracking back and cutting out chances. He did that again. Um, starting Austin Ricci up top was was a big difference maker as well for them and the flexibility it gave them in terms of, you know, Santos could sometimes shift centrally and Ricci could go wide, but also just the work rate they were getting for the number nine position with um, Ricci up there. But, you know, they've now picked up 10 points from losing positions, uh, six in the past two weeks alone. And I think on the road, they just do a really good job of matching and sometimes surpassing the energy of the home side. Um, and that's difficult to do when the crowd's not for you, especially when when a team like Halifax goes up. But, you know, they seem to be able to to block out um, that noise a little bit and and pick up points um, away from home in difficult situations. And a, a huge match for them on top of the points, you know, U21 minutes. Uh, not only do they pick them up, but Adiso Di Rosario, critical for them getting that. Noah Batne had a few moments of, of young center back still learning. Um, I guess he was playing as a, a fullback in this one, so even, even learning that position as well. He had a few moments of, of um, you know, not assuredness on the ball, but overall was pretty good. And yeah, that's back-to-back, as we said, really character wins for this side. And they seem to be the team um, of the playoff teams who are playing with the most desperation right now. Like they really understand the stakes of these matches and they're putting everything on the line to win them. They're playing like a playoff, you know, like these are playoff scenarios right now and they really are for them. Yeah, they really are. I think that's a really good point. York are very clearly fighting for their lives at a lot of times here and they're doing a very good job of it. You know, you mentioned they go on the road and they maybe shut out the noise. I think they embrace the noise. I think this is a team that really likes playing with, I guess maybe a chip on their shoulder. Um, Kevin Santos after the game talked a bit about how you know they feel like nobody wants them to be in the playoffs which maybe fuels them even more drives them to get into that spot and I think it's it's really working for them and they're playing some impressive football uh we will get back to to some York guys in a, in, a, in a few minutes and I mean I think one of the most important things here is that 211 u21 minutes um but before we we hear a little bit more about that I guess let's uh let's get some reaction from a goal-scoring hero twice in a row for York United, and that's Austin Ricci. It gives other teams something to think about, and you got guys that are dynamic that can move around, play multiple positions. But then it also helps too in like a situation like this, where you're off plate in a game, guys get injured, guys go down. You're able to adjust things and put guys in multiple spots in order to like see out a game or do whatever you have to do to take the points. Right, so it's uh, it's very helpful do what they have to do to take the points. Certainly there's a little more depth in this team than than maybe it felt like not too long ago when they had a lot of injuries. Uh, and again, Adisa Di Rosario, as you said, in goal, was a big difference maker for this team, and that's somebody that Martin Nash in particular singled out after this game. So let's hear from their coach. I mean, real good quality. I think, uh, you know, Adisa's gotten better every game. Uh, I thought he was fantastic today. Uh, he got a piece of the, the goal even um, and then made the big save in the breakaway. So he, he was big for us today. He came for crosses really well. 
Um, claimed a few. I thought he was fantastic. I thought uh, Noah had uh, had a good game, a solid game. He had his moments. He was a bit up and down at, at times, but uh, his effort was fantastic. And uh, you know, he, he did really well in one v one situations with Farron, which is is not an easy task. So uh, I thought he did well. And you know, with the injuries that we have, and um, you know, Trey coming in and seeing out a game at right back, which he played the one game there, but it's not his natural position. I thought. Uh, you know, it was real good to see, and um, you know, even Carson coming on late to see out a game and, and uh, just doing a job for us. So it was great to see those young players getting chances and, and doing well. And you know, when you, you when they get their chances, you want to win. And when you win, when they're getting those chances, they'll just get more and more chances. So um, no, it was fantastic. Now, to stop on Halifax for a little bit here, Mitch, York have been a thorn in their side this year. They destroyed them at Wanderers Grounds the first time they went there this season. And that actually was a bit of a, a turning point for Halifax, who kind of turned it around after that and were playing some of their best football in, in maybe the, the few weeks and months after that. But what was going on here? Was this a case of York maybe just taking the wind out of their sails with that goal right before halftime? Or were there concerns in this game for Halifax? Because they were certainly pushing at the end, but a lot of those crosses maybe felt a little bit ambitious. I think maybe two major concerns for Halifax at this stage in the season, and one is the 12 drop points from winning positions, which is second now only to, to Cavalry in the league. And obviously with how close things are in the standings, every point really matters. So to have you know squandered that many like they have is, is a concern, especially at home. And uh, the other one is U21 minutes. We've been on York United all season for, you know, their lack of U21 minutes. But uh, Halifax have now been left not only the table, but the U21 leaderboard uh, by York United. And they now need roughly, I think, 143 the rest of the way. Uh, you wonder if we see young Adam Rushinas make his uh, CPL debut at, at some point. Uh, Patrice mentioned, you know, they have a lot of matches coming up. So we will see Coimbra and Geraldo probably start as soon as uh, Friday against Pacific. So they have a plan in place, but obviously a storyline to watch. Overall, I, th I thought Halifax uh, did a lot of good things in this match. They were the better team for large stretches. As I said off the top, you know, they really could have gone ahead by multiple goals in, in the first half, especially. But they really let that, that York goal uh, at just before halftime affect them and never really looked the same in the second half. And we'll find out a, about them. Mo Omar said really eloquently after the match that this is really the stretch where we'll find out the true character of this team. And, you know, it's, they have to learn from this. This is a big lesson for them uh, in terms of controlling matches and, and controlling moments. And if they can learn from that and do that, uh, I think they're still in a, a solid position to, to kick on here and, and make the playoffs. But they really have to, you know, they, they can't let this uh, linger. Absolutely. And, and easier said than done. Uh, Halifax now technically find themselves in sixth place outside of the playoffs, although they are tied on points with both York and Ottawa, and they have a game in hand on York, which uh, they'll be making up next week. I think we've got some some midweek games coming up after this coming weekend. Uh, before we kind of go into a list of just some of the more individuals that stood out in this game, though, let's go back to the Wanderers' grounds another time and just get the thoughts post-match of Halifax's coach, Patrice Geyser. I thought this is what they wanted to do, just like... That doesn't feel like an enjoyable game. It felt like a, a game of fogginess, choppy, foul, stop, uh, a lot of different things that we just wanted to do. And, you know, they didn't really let us get any rhythm. We, I think, did enough to get something out of it, but it feels literally like the Pacific game with the same result. Um, but we had a lot more chances. I think it was a turning point. You know, we have a breakaway before that, we're on the goal line. 
So we just have to manage it. I think, you know, my message is when they scored that goal last second, we came out, the stadium was quiet and our players are quiet. And I think that's, you know, I, I'm going to do whatever I can to tell the supporters and us. I don't know what's the difference if you score in the 47th, 42nd, 35th, or 22nd. It's a goal. Now, if you scored in the 95th, for sure. But I don't know what the difference if it's, it's a second before halftime or if it's 20 minutes. If it's earlier, it's better. So I felt like you could drop a, hear a drop of a needle and we were really quiet. We felt the pain of that goal and we never really got back. And we just got to manage things and never stop. You're down 2 0, so what? You're down 3 0, no problem. That is the mentality in Halifax. It is uh, going to be a, a, a tough way in, but certainly there's a lot left for them to play for. Uh, they are very much in this race and even in the title race because it's not really that far. Uh, but Mitchell, as we usually do on this podcast, let's go for a list of your greats from this game. We've spoken to some guys, but which individuals uh, kind of stood out above the rest from this game? Yeah, I think we highlighted De Rosario, uh, Disa, that is. Uh, fun to see both of them on the pitch. But uh, Ricci as well, uh, Kevin Santos, our guys we all talked about. Uh, Jeremy Gagnon Lapre, I think, is playing his his best football right now at an important time for for the club. Tas Mordekudis and, and Roger Thompson did an excellent job of seeing out this match, you know, in front of a, a young goalkeeper with the latter scoring his first CPL goal. So uh, congratulations to him. Obviously, a, a massive moment for, for the York captain. And then uh, on the Halifax side, you know, Jordan Peruzza scoring his first CPL goal so uh, well deserved he, he did some great things in this match very good movement and yeah obviously came in a losing effort so not uh, full full celebrations but uh, a player who Halifax will be hoping can kick on from here and and really lead the line for them absolutely and that would be that would be massive for them also shout out Jeremy Gagnon Lepre as you said who finally got a chance to play a full 90 against his former club <laughs> in Halifax he mentioned it to me last time Halifax were in New York that he kept getting in, either injured or suspended when they seemed to play them so good for him um, and, and again a, a great performance as usual uh, one other Halifax player that I do want to shout out obviously is uh, Donil Henry who gets his first start with Halifax plays his first 90 minutes of football since March 2022 uh, we know what he means to that club off the pitch, uh, and we saw a little bit more of what he can do for them on the pitch in this game on Monday. And here is the man who was, uh, I think, wearing a captain's armband for Halifax yesterday, Mo Omar, who uh, spoke a little bit about what it was like to have that, that Canadian international on the pitch. Yeah, I think Daniil, you know, we, we all know the player Daniil is. We all know uh, what he brings to a team on and off the pitch. I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic leader, um, somebody we can all learn, learn from on and off the pitch. And, you know, I think he was really solid back there, just, you know, very vocal and just doing what he does, right? Um, you know, he's a Canadian international for a reason, and he's had the storied career that, that he's had for a reason. So, um, you know, just being able to share the pitch with him and um, having a guy like that back there is, is, is definitely uh, very positive. Certainly is. All right, Mitch, before we let you go, we move on to the next game. Uh, as we've done the last couple of weeks, we spin are talking awards. We are wheel. spinning the wheel. Mine's not a wheel. I don't know which one Christian uses, but mine doesn't have a fun wheel, unfortunately. Oh. It's just like a, a list. But all right, are you ready? I'm going to give you an award. For those who don't know, I'm going to give him one of the one of the five CPL awards. He's going to tell me uh, as quickly as he can who he thinks will win it this year. Ready? You got under 21. Under 21 oh, player of the year. Let's go. I know he just got suspended, but uh, Kwesi Poku has been really good, I think, for, for Forge FC and could be an important player for them down the stretch. So uh, I'll Interesting. go with uh, Kwesi. 
Interesting indeed. All right. Well, Mitchell, uh, thank you for that segue because we're actually going to talk about Forge next. Um, and I know I believe Forge are appealing that red card, by the way, to Kwesi Poku. So we will see if he can get back in the mix and make a run for that award. Anyway, Mitchell, thank you very much. We will uh, speak to Mitchell, I guess, again on the show next week. Uh, but right now we're going to bring in Alex Gange Ruzik, who was on the ground for us in the BC Lower Mainland because Vancouver FC greeted a Forge side that's not necessarily been in the best of form, but we got a vintage Forge performance and a Wubens Passius hat trick. Uh, AGR, this felt like quite a return to form for Forge with this 3-0 win. What would you kind of rate this game out of 10, and what did you notice about it as a whole? Yeah, it was about, probably I'd say 7, uh, seven out of 10 was fair, and I think a, a, return to forge for for, uh, a return to form for Forge, pardon me, is fair both in terms of their Overall form, winless in four heading into this one, a couple of draws, of course, uh, a big reason for that. But also just, uh, you know, they kind of almost owed themselves a performance like this against Vancouver, who, uh, you know, sort of had their number in a sense. Their first game, they drew nil-nil. Then Vancouver beat them at Willoughby. Uh, even when, you know, Forge beat Vancouver 2-0, uh, you know, last month, uh, it wasn't the most convincing of performances. But this one was, you know, Forge dominated from uh, start to end. Wubens Passius. Uh, kind of Johnny on the spot with with two great, well well taken first half goals. I think he kind of needed that, uh, based you know just for his confidence in his form. And then you know he adds his third with the hat trick early in the the second half. It was just you know a good Forge performance because the game was pretty much done by the forty seventh minute and on the road. Anytime you're uh, you're in that sort of uh, pole position, you've usually done something right, and that allowed kind of Forge to just see things out, uh, you know, rotate their squad and and you know kind of look almost look ahead to the next game already. Yeah, very businesslike for me from Forge, who I guess were winless in four and in fifth place going in, but now they're they're in third, maybe have their confidence back. Uh, they haven't had any easy games against Vancouver, at least to this point. Uh, they lost last time they were in Langley, but AGR, you were there, you saw them live. What did you like specifically about what Forge were able to do in their approach to this game? I just like their ruthlessness. I think that was a big thing. Vancouver, kind of, as they've been trying to do lately, they started a bit on the front foot. They wanted to possess the ball and forge were just kind of you know they 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 had a bit more balanced defensively they went for a bit of a three five two on on the ball and then they you know they kind of rotated to more of just a you know almost four five one off it and it was just you know no nonsense stay, stay hold that pressure and then they won the ball back and uh it was just efficiency and i think it was interesting because we don't usually see forge attack teams with you know traditional crosses their team that likes to get to the byline make little intricate cutbacks, little pa- passes in behind. And this time they're like, all right, let's just whip the ball in and see if we can maybe cause Vancouver some trouble with uh, with the wide balls. And it works. So it's obviously something that they, you know, must have targeted in the uh, in, in the scouting, even though, uh, you know, Bobby wouldn't uh, tip his hands when I asked him about that. And I thought that was an interesting scene. It was just, but that was just that kind of overall ruthlessness we're used to seeing from Forge where, you know, maybe they won't, hold on to the ball or maybe they they'll always tweak based on the opponents and this time they're like okay let's let vancouver have the ball and let's really attack them in wide areas and it, it worked perfectly absolutely and i think that those little tactical nuances those maybe figuring things out that work are something that we start to see at this point of the season in the cpl when teams are playing a team for the fourth time uh you can't throw the same thing at them you've seen them enough that you probably have a bit more of an idea of where you can hurt them and certainly forge seemed to figure that out in this game uh, so with another another word on Forge FC and their win, let's go back to the Langley Event Center and hear from their coach, Bobby Smirniotis. 
It's definitely what we needed. Uh, we've been playing some good football lately and, you know, three ties in our last games. And, you know, we thought we were good for uh, maybe a few more points in those ones and we knew the importance of this one. You know, you, you needed this one to, uh, to be able to stay on, uh, on some type of pace uh, for two things. One, for the playoffs, first and foremost. And second is to, to hang on and ability to go for that, uh, for that first position. Uh, sets up an uh, exciting game next week at, uh, at Tim Hortons Field. But, uh, you know, it's what we needed for, from the guys. We needed to step forward. We needed to be forward thinking. A lot of things we did uh, today was very good. And maybe a few of those things uh, we needed in the last matches. So it's a good guide to get us uh, to keep moving forward. It's a very good point from Bobby that they really needed this one, especially with a home game against Cavalry FC coming up next weekend. They did not want to limp into that game, right? But uh, they won't. They'll come in flying with confidence. Uh, AGR, let's talk about some of the individuals that will add some confidence to their ledger after that game. Obviously, I think we're going to have to start with the hat-trick hero himself, but what other, what other players, presumably most of them in orange, stood out to you in this game? Yeah, I mean, to, to start Passius, is a, it was a great example. I thought those were just three very well-taken strikers finishes. The header, uh, you know, it was just if you look on the replay from that far, he got a lot of power on that header. That was a good, you know, just well, good timing, good everything. Then the second one as well, Campbell flicks it. And I like how he, he just kept his feet moving. So often strikers maybe will be a bit flat-footed. And, you know, Passius had his feet moving got on the end of it, and then the third one, just anytime you're putting a penalty side netting when the keeper is guessing the right way, you know you're doing something right. And I think it was just – it was needed for Passius. I think heading in this game, he had four – or yeah, I think, yeah, he was a 4.5 XG, four goals. So he's been kind of underperforming his XG a bit. So for him to have three confident finishes on one XG and kind of make up the numbers a bit uh, was was needed for him. Otherwise, uh, you know, looking across the field, Forge's midfield, as they always do, in particular, Bubakar Suzoko, I thought he's had, he strung together a, together a couple of good performances. He was, he was excellent against Ottawa in this game as well. He was just, he just does such a good job of shuttling, kind of getting in between lines, being all over the place, uh, which along with Achinori Janssen and Becker, it just, it, it's a nice trio. And then uh, lastly, I thought, uh, funnily enough, when Suzoko came off and they brought in Kadim Kane in that Suzoko role, Kadim Kane looked really good. Uh, there and I think he's going to be something to watch out for just because say Kwasi Poku's suspension is upheld even if it for, for a game or even three games you're going to need you 21 minutes and Kadeem Kane looks like someone who can provide them and especially if he keeps playing like he, he did in this Vancouver game he got on the ball a lot in, in a short time on the field and uh, was everywhere for Vancouver to give a shout I mean it wasn't the you know the best of performances overall uh, compared to some of their last games you know, I thought, especially in that second half, they faded a lot more than I, I thought they would have. To be fair, when you're down 3-0 against Forge, it kind of can, can be a tough mountain to overcome. But I thought Renan Garcia didn't quit till the end. He actually had a, a very good defensive performance. He was running, he was tackling. And, you know, for a 37-year-old, you do respect the, you know, for, for someone to, to, to show that all the way to minute 90. And I think that'll be maybe good lessons they might look back at in their video film review this week being like, look, that Garcia didn't quit till the end. It's a good lesson for any professional that uh, if someone like him can, can do it, then all everyone on the team can, can always turn to that sort of commitment, that sort of uh, effort from uh, throughout the, the entirety of matches. Yeah, I, th I think so too. Uh, just to, to get back quickly, you mentioned Kadeem Kane. I think it's important to note that this is a, a really important moment for a young player to come in and play well when last time he went to Vancouver uh, it was his giveaway really that that was a large part of the reason that Forge lost that game so 
you always love to see a, a redemption arc for a young player. Um, before we get a little bit more into Vancouver, though, let's just go back one more time and hear from the hat trick hero himself, Wubens Passius, who uh, again gained some very much needed confidence at this point in the season. It's uh, always nice. It's always a, a great feeling. Uh, I was able to to do it last year, and to be able to do it another time this year, it's it's uh, an amazing feeling. And uh, again, like I always say, I, I thank God for these uh, opportunities, for these moments, because uh, like I said earlier in the the other interview, it's not the uh, stuff that we do often, but when we we do it, uh, we just have to enjoy it. So yeah. As for Vancouver, they remain. Uh, unfortunately, at the bottom of the table, but they are technically the same number of points out of the playoffs as they were last week. Uh, before we get into, you know, it precisely what happened for them in this game, though, let's go back and let's hear the the thoughts of their own head coach, Afshin Gopi. Well, my personal opinion was uh, it was probably one of the best starts we've actually had in the first 15 to 19 minutes. We before the goal, I thought we were in control. We uh, had some of the great sequences of passing, came into good positions. And then there was a mistake on the goal, of course. I've rarely seen a header from that far going to the goal. And then uh, I think psychologically it was very difficult because it was their first shot on goal goes in. And then uh, I thought uh, the game were, were basically those three goals changed the course of the match, of course, because it, uh, you, you're controlling the game, you're down a goal. Then you try to make a comeback, you have some chances, then you take another soft goal. And then uh, at halftime, we talk about it, and I think players came in with uh, a purpose, and then immediately in the first sequence, you take a penalty. And that uh, is a very big mountain to climb against a quality team like Forge, down 0-3. So, but that's been kind of the story of our, our season, and we have to uh, regroup, learn, and move on, and that's all we can do. But congratulations to Forge. I know they needed a victory to come back into the uh, position and the table where they need to be and they have to be and they should be. You learn and move on. That's what you have to do if you're Vancouver at this point. AGR, very quickly before we move on, just to, to spare a few thoughts on Vancouver and, and their approach to this game, what did you make of it and what do you think was maybe maybe the, the issue for them? Yeah, I mean, uh, they, they wanted to be on the front foot. They wanted to get on the ball um, and thought they had some good sequences of possession, but they just didn't really make enough of it. And I think another one, another thing that kind of sunk them was just they also didn't really make the most of half chances. And I think that's kind of what you have to do against Forge, a team of that quality. They're not going to give you much. And there's a few, such as a 2 nothing game, and the ball falls to Alejandro Diaz in a dangerous area after a great, I think it was a Vasco Fry ball, if I'm not mistaken, perhaps Batar. you got to get that on frame, and he misses it, and it goes to halftime, and all of a sudden it's 3-0. And I think there's a few moments like that where they maybe could have uh, just been a bit more ruthless. And that's kind of the difference between a team like Forge, where maybe it wasn't their, their most you know, the best performance, but Ford were ruthless. They had a clear game plan. They executed it, job done, on to the next, whereas Vancouver had some great moments but didn't take uh, make the most of them, and I think that's a, it's a good learning lesson they'll want to, to, to take, especially, uh, you know, up front, they're going to have to have some questions now because uh, someone, like, both of their strikers are ice cold, so they're going to have to figure up a, a bit of a solution because, uh, you know, Diaz just looks like he hasn't been up to, to full speed, so maybe uh, – Maybe some Sean Hundal minutes could be in order over the last uh, six games here to get him back in form like he was early in the season. They they certainly could be in order, and I guess we'll we'll see that next week when they host Atletico Ottawa. The last word on Vancouver, though, a positive for them in this game is Caden Chung getting back in the starting eleven after he broke his collarbone in May. 
uh, a great player and a you know a joy to have in the league. So we're glad to have him back. And for the the final word on Vancouver, let's go back there and hear from Mr. Chung himself. Or perhaps long journey. So obviously to be able to be back and and get roughly like 75 minutes, I think it was under my belt, felt pretty good. Um, um, obviously, I got a half against York last week, but it's different starting. I think I had less time to prepare. Um, but yeah, I felt good. Didn't really think about the shoulder too much. Um, just getting a little tired, I think, but that'll come, I think, naturally. But uh, yeah, it, it was good. I'm, I'm happy to be back. All right, good. I wasn't wrong. We did have a Caden clip. All right, AGR, before we let you go and we head to Ottawa, uh, as, we, as we're doing the last three weeks, we're going to spin the wheel here, get you an award to pick. Do you remember what you had last week? I had MVP Dan Nimick, if I'm not mistaken. MVP no, Dan are, Nimick. Okay, well. Combination. I have spun the wheel, and it has given you an award for which you might pick the same guy. You've been given Defender, but uh, maybe I should make you pick somebody else. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I'll, I think for for options, I think Dan Klomp at Cavalry. I think something just in terms of the performances he's been putting in on that Cavalry side, you know, their underlying numbers actually haven't been the greatest. And I think uh, defensively, and I think a big part of that has been the play of their defenders to, you know, maybe block some of those high danger chances and get in front, make life easier for Marco Carducci. And I think Klomp just playing every minute, being a rock back in more of his natural center back position. He's been a big part of that. So I think he's definitely someone that should uh, get some due with the nomination. And uh, I think between him and Nimick and some of the other candidates, I mean, you can't sleep on Mandricard James. You can't sleep on mm-hmm. Amir Didich. It, it could be a fun, uh, fun vote to come six games time. Dan Klump, a great choice. And again, you guys are killing it with the segues because last time Mitchell picked a forge player to segue into the forge game. You've just picked a Cavalry player to bring us into the Cavalry Auto game. AGR, thank you so much for the help with that. We will speak to you next week. Uh, great work as always. Again, follow AGR, campl.ca, one soccer, and uh, on Twitter. Uh, before we do head to the nation's capital, though, reminder that CPL Predictor is available on the Canadian Premier League website, campl.ca slash predictor, brought to you by Tony Bet. Of course, uh, you choose the correct scores. You can win $20,000 tickets to games. So go to the, go to that link and check it all out. Now we will again, head to the nation's capital where Benedict Rhodes is going to join us to break down for me, the game of the weekend, uh, Ottawa and, and Calvary certainly forced us to rewrite some match reports, uh, a couple times in the last few minutes there. Uh, Benny, we talk a lot about games that feel like playoff matches, but I think that none of them have come close to this one so far. Uh, crazy atmosphere in Ottawa under the lights outstanding drama what went through your head during this game <laughs> a lot went through my head during this game this was a this was a wild one uh you mentioned a playoff atmosphere these two teams you know starting to see a bit of a, a rivalry maybe building between them there was uh, a lot of intense moments in this game there was a lot of of missed chances if you're watching on YouTube you just saw a big one by Sam Salter and uh, there's also a lot of real quality there was the, the Sergio Camargo goal to, to round Nathan Ingham and, and put the ball in the back then that was was brilliant um, you know, got a few other moments, Calvary, where they maybe could have extended their lead and maybe put the game to, to bed a little bit. But, um, you know, Ottawa had a chance to score, and uh, that brilliant Luke Singh goal is one of the best goals you'll ever see in the CPL. I think it has to win goal this season, no matter what happens the rest of the way. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And and in the 80th minute, you think they've rescued a point, but then 
uh, don't count on Calvary just yet. This this score in the in the ninety seventh minute here to 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 pick up a huge three points on the road and 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 celebrate in front of the auto fans as well for a bit of extra of extra flavor. Yeah, this was a fun one. I know there was uh, some some give and take between the Calvary players, you know, celebrating in front of the Ottawa fans. Uh, just what a what an atmosphere, what a moment that was for Calvary, who are now still four points clear. Uh, they've won three in a row, and for me, they really felt like a, a team that that is on a path to win a trophy in this game. That's that's what it seemed like to me. And I, I think we're going to have to get a little bit deeper into Cavalry and their approach to this game in a sec, but I want to start by just hearing the uh, impeccable and eloquent as always thoughts of their boss, Tommy Wilton Jr. That was, um, I think the adrenaline still coursing through my veins. It was a hell of a match. Um, both sides, like they've scored an incredible equalizer that you think has got them a point. And we knew that we had a moment, Mile Henry come in, we knew Willie Akio's been on form. We knew something could happen, but uh, Tactically, there was some great changes on both sides. It was physical at times, but let's not undervalue the ability and quality of both teams as well. It just, it literally brought everything. Literally brought everything. Just what a game. Cavalry as a whole for me are playing some of the most entertaining and driven, I think, football that I've seen them play in the, the five years I've been watching this club. I mean, I've always it's always been impressive to see their intensity at times. You know, you go back to 2019 and they talked about 90 minutes of hell where, you know, at that point in the CPL, they were able to just press for the whole game and just run teams ragged, uh, especially in Calgary where the air is a tiny little bit thinner. Uh, you pulled a lot of you pulled a lot of energy out of teams and they just they just beat them down late. Uh, and I guess that's, that's partly what happened here. But there's some kind of extra spark this year. Right, Benny? Like. Sergio Camargo talked after the game on One Soccer about doing things the cavalry way, you know, even though the tactics change and they grow and, and the players change and, and they're evolving. There's something about this club that is an identity. Just what's like, what's been impressing you about just seeing the way the team has been playing recently? I think they're kind of embracing that villain arc, if you know what I mean. Like they're kind of they're kind of not afraid to be the the big bad cavalry that they were of the past, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they're they're playing with a, an intensity and expectation that they they think they can win a trophy or maybe even two. They've never won a trophy before. They've been hurt at the final hurdle on a few occasions, and I think they're just playing you know with a with the mentality that they, this this year they need to get it done. I remember I spoke to Dan Klomp recently, and he said like we have to win for Tommy Wilton Jr. Like he's 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 someone who cares so much for his players. You have to win for him and. I think that team's really sort of embodying that. And, you know, you saw Tommy himself in this game, you know, going like this to the to the crowd and, and shushing the crowd. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was, it was just uh, incredible to see. And, and they're really kind of embracing that, um, I guess, role, I guess, of, of being the, the, the team you don't want to play against. And I think that'll serve them very well in the playoffs if they get there, which I'm assuming they will. Yeah, I mean, technically <laughs> anything can happen at this point, but it does feel like they are going to be a major character in the playoffs, you know, Cavalry are always uh, a major character in the Canadian Premier League, it seems, for for anything that's going on with that club. But they are playing some very, very determined football. And again, I think in this game, they deserved the win. Obviously, the, the Ottawa equalized very late with that wonder goal. I don't think that we'll get into Ottawa in a sec. I don't think Ottawa were good enough on the balance of this game to really deserve a point at home. Cavalry were very good in the first half, especially. And again, it was that press. It was that that energy. I mean, obviously, Meyer Bevan does a lot of running off the ball that I think he maybe doesn't get enough credit for. 
Jesse Daly and Charlie Trafford just really working that midfield with Dan Klomp in between them or or in front of Trafford a lot of times. We're going to get I'm going to talk a little bit about him later as well when we get into some greats, but just a a pretty well-rounded performance for Calvary other than, you know, maybe maybe they want to score another goal and not have to have that drama and those theatrics at the end, but we'll we'll get into Ottawa in a second here, but I do want to hear one more time the thoughts of one of their goal-scoring heroes for this game and a, a day one player at this club, Sergio Camargo. You saw it there at the end. Uh, both teams match each other in intensity. That's, uh, that's what you want to see when it's coming down to the last seven games of the season. Um, and we both played it like a final. And that's you can tell by the emotion at the end of the game. Yeah, it definitely felt like a final. All right, Benny, this is a heartbreaker for Ottawa, though, right? I mean, to score that insane goal from a center back on the volley just... I mean, that it was it was like I I genuinely screamed when I watched it. I <laughs> of all the things I had on my bingo card, I think Luke saying acrobatic volley in the 88th minute was not on it. Um, but to have that euphoric moment at home and then see it ripped away, that's one of the more painful losses I think they've had at, at TD Place recently. That really hurts. But do you think that they did enough in this game to really get a result? I mean, Carlos Gonzalez said that he was surprised by Cavalry's tactics and and he felt that. They pressed them more than they expected. Ottawa got shot, outshot 13-5, to and their only one on target was that Luke Singh goal. Uh, Benny, what did you think of, of their performance at home in this game? Yeah, I think if you're relying on an 88th-minute Luke Singh acrobatic volley to, to get you a result, I don't think you necessarily deserve one. Like you said, they, they defensively, they were they were fine. Offensively, I thought you know, they, they left a lot, lot to be desired, really. I thought they, they had their moments, but they didn't take advantage of them, and you, know, you saw someone like an Ollie Bassett got increasingly frustrated, I guess, as the game went on. He he knows he has the quality to change the game, and he knows that his teammates have the quality to change the game. But in this game, it just wasn't coming off. Like we saw in the highlights there, Sam Salter had a, had a fantastic opportunity. The ball went and landed at his feet in the box, and he just sent it. You know, if, if the Red Blacks were playing, that'd be, that'd be a field goal. But um, <laughs> it was one where they'll want it back. But, um, yeah, I, I think Ottawa, once they did score, I think they, they deserved the result, obviously. Like, the game is played for a reason, but uh, on the whole, I think, uh, you know, Calvary probably the deserved winners on the day. Yeah. And, and Calvary, I think it's, I guess maybe, maybe my main thesis here is that Calvary are deserved first place team at the moment. And they, they certainly have played like uh, maybe a title favorite at this point. Uh, last word on Ottawa though. We've, we want to hear some of the voices from their team. Cause I know that they, also, we're quite disappointed with especially the way that they started this game in the first half. So let's quickly go to TD Place and we'll first hear from their own head coach, Carlos Gonzalez. To me, a game in which we didn't step well into the first half, in which Cavalry was better than us collectively, individually. And uh, in the second half, we, we did things better and we equalized the game. And then details, uh, how to compete in the last moments maybe we make a, a small big mistake that, that, that make us give, well, that gave us uh, the last opportunity. So, yeah, a quite equal game a quite, uh, in which they were better in the first half. I think they w- that we were a little bit better in the second half than them, but without being uh, or doing a, a great football. You know, it was about equalizing intensity, equalizing deals, equalizing or, or being better than them in those situations. And it's true that we didn't find those moments of control or of being uh, as or submit them in the second half because it was also difficult of, of the, the stops uh, constantly and well they did, they did what they had to do 
and uh, we tried our best and in the details we we failed at the end in the details they failed at the end it, that's that's pretty much it um and, and again the the goal is the, the winning goal is i guess a, a frustrating way to give it up um i think it's off that the kind of set piece and nobody can quite sort their feet out um benny there's a lot of heroes and villains i think in this game uh I, rather than, than just talking about the greats, there were a lot of characters in this game, football players. Let's single out a few of them uh, in a sec, but although I do want to start with Dan Klomp, who AGR just helpfully gave a nod to for Defender of the Year. Uh, he starts again in the middle of the back three for this game, which Cavalry have really been using for the last few weeks to some pretty pretty good success, but this is maybe an evolution of it. Uh, we've got total football Dutchman Dan Klomp really stepping into midfield a lot. In this game, he would either switch with Charlie Trafford and just straight up play in midfield, or he would kind of go on adventures forward. It's not often you see uh, a center back in the middle of a back three really stepping to the top of the penalty area and, and having a shot on target in the first half in open play. Uh, so he was he was tremendously impressive for me in this game, and, and as he always has been on the ball in the CPL. Uh, Benny, is there anybody else you know from, from either side, Calvary or Ottawa, that you think deserves a mention and a, and a shout out at this point? Yeah, I'm going to mention a hero and a villain for Calvary, uh, depending on who you ask, I guess. Uh, for, for William McKeo, again, comes off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's fantastic in, in this game. He didn't play very long, but you know, he's such an impactful player that when he comes on, he can make such a huge difference. And especially against some tired Ottawa legs, someone with, with his pace and his ability is, is always going to cause problems. And uh, also Charlie Trafford, I thought he was, he was excellent. Um, again, Ottawa fans not making many friends in, in the capital at the moment. But um, yeah, as Arthur says, it's a... Uh, a rivalry is being born, I think, and, and he's central to that. Um, such a physical player, he, he knows how to how to do the the conquer calf thing, if you want to call it that, like the, the nitty gritty of the game. And uh, on the Ottawa side of things, obviously Luke's saying with the excellent goal, but also to give a shout out to Miguel Acosta. I think he's yep. been excellent so far this season, and uh, you know he can play multiple positions in this game. He played on the right side, and, and he's excellent once again for for Ottawa. Yeah, and we've seen how much Ottawa miss Miguel Acosta when he's not in the lineup. He went through uh, pretty pretty. You know, fairly long stretch of uh, of injury at, earlier in the season, so they're very happy that he's back to full fitness. Um, also, I do want to shout out Tom Field. I feel like every game we're kind of we're giving uh, some attention to a player that's come back from injury and come back into the game. It was it was Daniil, and then it was uh, it was Caden Chung. But Tom Field, man, he uh, hadn't played a game since 2021, the beginning of 2021 with Cavalry. Uh, he comes into this game not for garbage, meaningless minutes. He comes in with about half an hour left. Plays on. He's a left back. He plays on a right of a back three, uh, and he does a very good job. I thought he he really did a lot of work to help at least an open play shut things down. He comes over, plays on the left when Bradley Camden starts getting uh, some cramps. But you know, again, a a really useful player for Cavalry to be adding into that squad at this point in the season. I, I don't think a lot of people are fully aware that Tom Field is like played in the championship for Brentford. Uh, and he's, he's not a, a particularly old player. I think he's 25 still. Um, so that is, that is, you know, Cavalry continuing to get even deeper at this point in the season, which is a scary thing for a lot of other teams. Uh, maybe first on first on the deck being Forge, who will host this first place in high-flying Cavalry next week in a game that nobody's going to want to miss. Benny, finally, final word from you again as we're doing. We are uh, spinning the wheel, giving you an award to pick. What did you get last week? 
Uh, last week, I had Ingham for goalkeeper of the year. You had Nathan Ingham for goalkeeper of the year. I will spin the wheel again because I don't want you to have to do the same one. You are getting player of the year. All right, that's the big one, buddy. Tell me who your choice is for player of the year. I think we've had we've had Bassa on the show already. I think we've had Nimic on the show already. So I'm going for Ali Moosey at Calvary. I think he's been excellent. And, and if they're going to go on and have the success they want to have, he's going to be he's going to be central to that. And uh, on his day, he's one of the best players in this league by far. He certainly is. Uh, fascinating that uh, Ali Moosey didn't even play in this game that Calvary wins. So they will uh, be returning home to Calgary, hoping that he is a, a big part of their final run. And Benny, again, thank you so much for some uh, some wonderful analysis of a wonderful match of football. Uh, and we have to finish our show this week with the first game in the weekend. We kind of went in reverse order on Vancouver Island, where there was no Amir Didich, no Gennaro Daniels, no George Mukambiwa, and no James Merriman, but in the end, uh, no problem for Pacific FC against Valor, although it maybe felt like there could have been some problems at points in the second half, right, Christian? You're calling in from a, a basically a phone booth here to help us break this one down. Um, at, at halftime, I was ready to write a report of this being a comfortable home win and return to form for P- Pacific against a, a poor Valor side, but it didn't fully end up that way, right? No, it didn't, Charlie. Great to be on with you. Um, it was a fantastic game in many ways because of what was on the line. You know, ultimately, I thought it was uh, a game where, you know, not mathematically, they're not going to get knocked out if they didn't win, but it felt like a must win game for Pacific. You know, they'd come off a very difficult run, three games, a losing streak, two, two wins in the past 10. But that doesn't always just tell the story either. Just a lot of frustration, you know, the giveaway lead against Vancouver and the lack of confidence. You mentioned the suspensions as well, the issues with who were playing goal. And then when Matteo de Brienne scored the equalizer in the 77th, I thought, okay, now we're going to really find out a lot about this team because, you know, Pacific this year, They've done it a few times where they've given away those leads. You know, they actually did it to Valor again in Winnipeg earlier this season, and Valor came back and got that Valor got that one-one draw. So, you know, it was time where they needed to step up. There's a lot of other players on the pitch, and and, and Salou, Fongaro, and Brazo who all kind of combined uh, in the end for that goal. But in the end, it was the magician. You know, it, 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 it was the magician again. And it's has to be said, it, it's Salouf. and you, you could just see the look on everyone else's faces of, you know you know, disbelief from Valor again and, and and relief from Pacific because of all the people who needed to step up, it was that guy again, you know, and he just continues to do it time and time again. And when you see the goal, it's just a, a fantastic piece of finishing precision right into the corner, yeah. almost side foots it in. And um, it has to be said when the moments get the, the, the biggest, he, he definitely continues to shine the brightest. Yeah. I Maybe, maybe let's just talk about Salouf now then, because like, 14 goal contributions this year, eight of them off the bench. Uh, he's clearly Pacific's most effective attacking player at the moment and has been for most of this season. But where where are you at with this, Christian? Do you think that he is right for that, that off-the-bench role or do they need to find a way to get their best attacker on the pitch for more than half an hour? Yeah, I, I think the latter. I understand why they're doing it. Um, I think he's only started two of the last eight, which mm-hmm. is insane when you think about it in terms of what he's breaking, you know, how the team is, is just relying him to break down a, a lot of opposition's defenses. And it's clear that he has answers that other players don't. And they've got a lot of attackers. Yeah. Um, and this was a fascinating shape. We're going to get into that as well. But uh, I think, uh, put it put it this way, um, in games where they have to win them, uh, and that's playoffs, and that might be down the stretch. You got to win to get to the top, or you got to win to get in the playoffs. That's exactly how we don't even know where they're going to be right now. This team could still win the league, and they could still miss out on the playoffs. 
That's yeah. that's where we're at with Pacific right now. We're into September. We're we're into the stretch run. They've not got that many games left. They can literally win the league, and they could also finish sixth. So you know it could go one of either way. So you know uh, so for me, they've got to get him on the field, and uh, I think that they will. And I'll be surprised if it comes down to one of those must win games, knockout games when he's not playing. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he only started eleven games for this team out of twenty one, and he still has that that much of an attacking impact i'm sure that there is a way to to get him more involved uh before we kind of talk about that pacific shape though and, and what they did in this game i think maybe it's time to hear a different voice to ours so let's go back in here uh they're uh, taking over the the reins on a touchline just for this game with merriman suspended let's hear from their assistant coach armando sa i think we started very well we start we dominate the game we have many chances to score and okay, we go we go first half winning, but we have we can have more chances. We have more chance of to score. Maybe we two or three nothing first half. Uh, but uh, after the second half, uh, in the end of the second half, we come come again the <coughs> the little in the size about us. <coughs> Sorry, within the size about us, little like uh, uh, come come again and uh, this. Uh, this cannot happen. We need to be more consistent. They make the first and second half on the same level. Uh, but uh, I think we, in, in the general, we make a very good game and uh, we, de- we deserve this win for sure, 100%. They do, and he's right. Uh, but I think, yeah, what one of the things he's getting at there is that some of those maybe hesitations and, and overthinking are creeping back in at times in the second half or in, in the early second half, late first half when. You know, Pacific, I guess, are, are kind of, again, shown the risks and, and the costs of not killing off a game, right? That's kind of been a, a problem at times for them and for many teams in the CPL. But, um, you know, with, with so many guys suspended for this game, it's a weird shape for Pacific, a new thing. It's kind of a, kind of a back three for most of the game with, with Paul Amadumi out on the left side. Um, Sean Young at center back. Christian, what did you think of, of the way that they set up? And do you think that's more a product of who they were missing or something that we might see more of down a stretch. Well, first of all, shout outs to the back three club, because uh, I don't know about you, Chuck, we're, we're all in on some tactical versatility <laughs> in this league because it's been a, it's been a four, three, three league for the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen Atletico Ottawa do it. We know that in possession, they play a back three. We've seen a lot of that um, from Forge as well uh, with almost that double pivot of Janssen and Becker playing there. You know, we've seen Cavalry do it now with the inverted fullback coming into midfield uh, and Pacific joined the club, and there have been others, of course. But, you know, I liked it. And I liked it because I think it freed up Manny Aparicio's role a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Manny comes alive in the final third. And sometimes when you play that traditional 4-3-3, you know what you're getting out of Toussaint. And he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. And you know what you're getting out of Young. He can be a real good um, athletic box-to-box number eight. Um, but I'm, I, I still think Aparicio feels the need to come quite deep to start plays a lot of the time because he has got more technical quality than the pair of them. So sometimes mm-hmm. if, you're up, if you're coaching against him, you want Aparicio to come and receive the ball in his own half a lot. Well, this shape just ne- just got rid of that. All Manny Aparicio's touches were main, mainly in the opposition's half, and a lot of them were in that area, that zone 14, there's a number 10, and that's where he created the goal. And so yeah. I think you, you're able to use his football intelligence and his brain in the final third a little bit more. You and I talked in the office last week. We wondered whether they would go into like a 4-2-3-1 or something to try and get that out of him. In the end, it was this shape, which was a back three 
uh, in possession. And, and it also frees up Kunle Dadaluk to do what he does best as well down that right-hand side. So I really liked it. As you mentioned, it might have been more of a personnel thing with a lot of players missing, but it was just great to see the flexibility. Um, and I think, if, to be honest, we probably would have been raving about it more if they'd taken the chances, as Amando Sar said. But that's yeah. the story with this team. I think in the first seven games of the season, they scored two goals in the first half three times, and they haven't done that yet since. So they're getting the chances, but they're not putting them away. And this is a game they should have been out of sight and should have been at least two up by half time. And then I think they would have found a way to finish it comfortably. In the end, um, they made it difficult on their own, on themselves. Yeah, that's the thing. And James Merriman has said that a lot of times this year, that he can't ask the back line and the number sixes to score the goals for them. They've been doing largely everything right for a long stretch of this season. Um, and again, they're getting into, I think they got into better areas this game than they, they have in some other weeks. But again, it's that those final moments that still are not going into the net as often as you'd expect. And I think before the season, if you'd said that Pacific wouldn't be, you know, mm-hmm. scoring as much as, as much as we expected, then we would have been pretty surprised because they have so many names in that squad that you would expect to come in and and be very very strong in those areas but you know they're 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 i don't i don't know what it is i don't know what it is at this point because it's been you know it's been long enough that it's clearly a problem and not just kind of a a skater a downstretch that uh i think really is is the number one concern and, and maybe you know a big problem for them at this moment right yeah definitely i think when you look at the i mean I think it's 14 games. They've got one goal or less, mm-hmm. um, which is really amazing when you think about, I, th- I think earlier this season, they smashed Atletico 4-1. They got four against York again. They got six against Vancouver. It was high flying and it looked like, you know, that total electric football. And really since then, they've had to grind teams down a little bit and find a way to try and win those games. And so um, I think if you're the defense right now, you're probably thinking, we really can't allow too many in here uh, because I don't think we're going to be able to get the two to three game goals to win it. So, uh, look, that might help them when it gets down to the knockout stage of football. Um, defensively, I think they're pretty tight. Uh, but the other thing I want to say is that I think they should be better at set pieces. Um, they started mm. the season terrific, and I, I think they've gone downhill a lot. So keep an eye on that. That might be really important as they get down the stretch. Um, that some of their deliveries from wide areas and set pieces hasn't been great. Yeah, and I think maybe, I mean, obviously they don't have Amir Didich in this game, but a lot of times it has felt like he's just the option for a set-piece delivery, and and other teams can maybe be aware of that and and mark him out of it a little bit, even though he's taller than pretty much anybody. There are things you can do to to cut off his runs and make it harder for them to find him. Um, But, you know, Pacific still deserved winners in this game. Definitely the better team on the whole, and part of that, due to Valor coming out pretty flat, especially in the first half. Um, let's talk about them quickly. They're, you know, second to the ball a lot. They had just one touch in the first half, or in the box in the first half, probably lucky to go in uh, one nil down. Christian, were you, how disappointed were you with the way that they entered this game? Yeah, very disappointed. And I think it's some of those words that Philip DeSantis has been using. I'm sure we're going to hear him again. But, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's work rate, right? It's energy, it's 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 tenacity, you know, it's it, it's the belief, all that stuff that you just want them to keep going. And in the end, it looks like that the um, you know, they're they're not a sinking ship, they're sunk, right? Like they I think they know that. And uh it's difficult to ask some of these players to keep going back and forth, but at the end of the day, uh, whether it's with these this team or with somebody else, 
these are the times where clubs look at players and go, what can you do for me? You know, mm-hmm. football isn't always about being in a win games every week when the going gets tough. You know, can we find 11 Matteo de Briens on the field? Uh, that would be helpful, right? You just got to have someone who just keeps working. Um, and I think that that's what they're looking for. So I think that's what will disappoint them the most is that a little bit of difficult effort in, in terms of that. But make no bones about it. They've really struggled to score goals. Um, and that's been the biggest problem for them. And, and they spend a lot of time chasing games. And, and that is not easy. No, it's it's certainly not. Um, I, obviously, they they had some moments in this game. They fought their way back into it. So let's go back uh, one more time to Langford, though, and let's hear what Philip DeSantos had to say about, especially their first half, and what he wanted to do to try and adjust after that. I wanted more fight. I, you know, players can. You need to know what you're gonna expect from a player when you put him on the field. It can't be, you know, quality. And, and, and things might not always go your way, but when it comes to being connected with the game, with the team, uh, there can't be uh, fluctuation. Uh, players need to always be ready to come out and uh, execute the task that is given to them. And I felt that in the first half, it wasn't always the case. And when it's like that, and you're down 1-0 in the score, you, you have to move things around. I'm not one to, to wait. And, and see what's going to happen. If I feel that the team needs help uh, and the guys that are on the pitch need, need help, I'm going to make the changes regardless of when they're made and, and how many we make. Yeah, he made three changes at halftime. Uh, brings Baccaro in so that Dante Campbell can get into midfield a little bit more. And to be fair, he does get the assist on the, the equalizing goal. Um, but for me, this just didn't really look like a team that's fighting for its life at times right i i think we we saw improvement for maybe about 20 minutes of this game probably not enough of it and at this point christian valor 12 points out with six games left what do you if you're phil DeSantis, what do you need to see from from this team in these next few weeks well i think phil is obviously trying to find the pieces that, that he can still rely on right but uh Give him a lot of credit. He is not shying away from honesty in these press conferences. And I don't think he's pointing blame away from himself. I think he'll be the first to be lying awake at night wondering how to motivate these players. But, oh, you know, I think they got to York on Friday, right? And that's where I, they started the season and were terrific that day and had a lot of fight with them. And, um, you know, Rafa Oheen, which has been a t- just a, a crazy loss again for them, um, just ran that midfield. And they've been really unlucky with him and, and John Baptiste and other players that have been significantly hurt. So I feel for them. Um, but as you alluded to, if, if, if you're playing them now and you're one of them six, if you're one of them six who are fighting for that, that five and you play Valor, you, you, it's almost like you cannot drop points at this point. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, maybe for Valor, that takes a little bit of that pressure off you. At times, if you go into games and you know that the other team is terrified of dropping points to you, you can maybe disrupt a little bit. But that does, you know, in, in some ways require a bit of a mentality shift that you're not terrified of dropping those points. Because at this yeah. point, you know, you need to, to take drastic measures to to make up that ground. Um, you know, it's, again, not impossible. And there's this team has shown at times that it can have that, that grit and that fight in them in games. Uh, but it would... Take a lot, unfortunately, for Valor. Uh, you know, well, uh, I think we'll we'll wrap up there on that game, though. Uh, Christian, we're gonna do a little role reversal here because nice. you've been spinning the wheel the last three weeks. Um, 
Uh, so we're going to get some of your thoughts because that's, I think, what everybody wants to hear. So I'm going to hit the list randomizer for our uh, our awards. And oh, all right, we are starting you off with the big one. You're getting player of the year. So uh, player of the year. I, th- I think Benedict said Ali Moosey, so you can't go with him. Uh, where okay. are you at with this? Um, I'm going to go with, and I'm allowed to say someone else from a different show, I'm sure. I, I, yeah. I think I think it's Bassett right now, um, mm-hmm. but very close. Um, I'm going to release my player rankings, I think, later today, uh, and I have him as the best player in the league now. Um, you know, I've been I think gradually you've seen if anyone goes back and sees my rankings and, you know, been moving it up a little bit. But I think he's starting to take over games. Now, he struggled Saturday, but, you know, the fact that he's got these goals as well, uh, you know, I, I think others are close. Becker is very close. Moosey's yeah. a great, Moosey's a great shout. Salouf we talked about and sung his praises. There's, there's others, but I think at the moment it might just be Ollie, uh, with like six or seven games to go. Um, you know, the other thing I think I thought about too, guys, is I think he might be, um, we, we, maybe we should look this up. He might be the only player to have scored in every stadium. Um, so I was thinking about that as well recently. So, uh, yeah, he's the fact that he's got his goals, is I think a little bit of a, a, the cherry on top because I think Ottawa fans would say that they want Ollie to take over games, but they certainly don't expect him to score as many as he scored again this year yeah. and the ability to score goals at crucial times as well. So I think at the moment I'll go with Ollie Bassett, but there's a lot, like all these awards, uh, Charlie, they're, they're wide open at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And it's definitely, you know, a lot of runway for somebody, even maybe somebody we hadn't mentioned there to kind of take this over and go on a run. Uh, if, if one of these teams decides to really pull away from the others, uh, Ollie Bassett though, you know, when he started tucking his shirt in, which I think gave him like at least a 10% boost here. Okay. Uh, I'm all for that. All for that way to go Ollie. <laughs> so to, to wrap up here though, let's bring up the standings one last time. Take a look at where they are because Again, nobody really pulling away. Calvary still up in front. Uh, Christian, this is, again, it's not quite as tight as it was last week, but it's pretty crazy, right? It's ridiculously crazy. I mean, Cavalry got that four-point lead now, 39 from 22. But when you look at the race for the playoffs, you know, we, the only thing we, that we can guarantee now is that Cavalry are in the playoffs. Uh, other than that, anything can go anywhere. You know, Pacific, 35 from 22. Forge, 35 from 23. Um, Athletic uh, Ottawa, tw- 32 from 22. York, 32 from 23. And Halifax, 32 from 22. So, um, you know, it's it's absolutely marvelous. The other thing I would just add for me is that um, Patrice Geyser said it last week about every game matter. He can almost get to the point now, Charlie, where every minute matters. Yeah. And anybody who doesn't believe me or doesn't think that this new playoff form is making a difference, I would just challenge anyone to watch uh, the moment Luke Singh scored the goal. Maybe just watch that goal as well. But from that goal to the moment that the final whistle blows in Ottawa, that nine minutes is of in- incredible intensity. Uh, mm-hmm. It shows both teams wanting to win. Um, I think in previous years at the CPL, that might have been two teams who would have just packed up and taken a point each to get in the top four. But now you can just see that there's a lot more on the line. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. I think if if you're Cavalry and you go on the road in a game like that and you get scored on that late, you maybe do just think that a point is great and you move on. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Um, and also those games in hand that Forge and York still have looming large at the moment. Uh, the midweek games start after this weekend, so we'll get some of that sorted out. But not to be forgotten. All right, but we before we have those midweek games, we have four games on the weekend. Let's bring up the schedule here, uh, starting with a doubleheader on Friday, York United hosting Valor at 7 Eastern, followed by a nightcap on Vancouver Island where Pacific hosts Halifax Wanderers at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, 
11 Atlantic. So maybe get the coffee out if you're a Wanderers fan. And then another doubleheader on Saturday, which uh, I end the same time slots. We got our Tony Bet match of the week, Forge hosting Cavalry. That will be massive. I Nobody can miss that game. That's going to be insane uh, at Tim Hortons Field. And then Vancouver hosting Atletico Ottawa again to finish off that night, 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. That's a lot of fun games. Uh, I get catch them all live on one soccer, right, Christian? Um, I, is there one of those in particular you're looking forward to more than the others? I, I think it has to be uh, Hamilton, the, the clash mm. in Hamilton between Forge and Cavalry. We know they don't like each other. Uh, Newsflash, a team who's playing Cavalry right now doesn't like them. We saw that on Saturday. Nobody so <laughs> nobody does. And I think that's how, that's how they like it. The thing I would add, if anyone's listening or still watching with us, we appreciate it, is that this weekend, no European football in the club game, I know uh, Canadian uh, MLS teams playing. So just come spend your time with us. This is an That's epic right. league, epic league, and come watch it. You absolutely will not regret it, and we'll show you some reasons to watch it here in a second. Because to wrap up the show, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, we're going to leave you with a collection of our goals of the month for August. Uh, be sure to check out the CPL social media channels this evening to have your say and vote on which one of those is your favorite from the month of August. And before anybody says anything, by the way, Luke Singh's goal was in September. So it will not be in here. Uh, so anybody uh, watching on video, please enjoy. For those of you listening to the podcast on audio, we thank you very much for doing so. And we will chat to you again next week. <laughs>